so did you guys know that I'm a pediatrician? You didn't know that? You knew that. Okay. Do you know what that is? It's a doctor who takes care of kids. So sitting down here with you, that's my jam. Oh, cool. All right. So let me ask you a question. Can you tell me what are some of the rules that your parents make you follow? No running in the house, okay. No fighting. No, no fighting, no yelling, okay, what else? What other rules? No hitting, no kicking. Oh, no hitting, no kicking, okay. Oh, wow, and there's about to start a rumble over here. Um, okay, what else do we got? Any other rules? Okay. What's that? Okay, do you want to tell me a rule? Okay, all right. Oh, yeah, we don't want dogs pooping in the house. No, no. That's a, good, that's a good rule. No, that's a good rule. That is a good rule. We don't want that in the house, right? Okay, no, no, I get it. I get it. So what would it be like if we had no rules? What would happen if we had no rules? You guys like to just think of things. Things would be terrible. Ooh. It would be interesting? Okay. What do you think? What would it be like with no rules? It would be bad. Why would it be bad? Oh my gosh, wow, you guys get it. Wow, if you had no rules, then you would get hurt. Okay, so do you know that your parents follow rules too? Yeah. Yeah, so, so here's an example. If they're, if they're in a car and they see a red light, what's supposed to happen? Stop. What happens? Stop. You stop at a red light, okay. And then if the light is green, what happens? Oh, what happens? It means go. I am purposely not gonna ask them what a yellow light is because I don't think you guys know. No, no, I, no, I don't want, I don't want to corrupt the youth. Oh, go slow. Caution, go slow. Okay, all right, wow, okay. Okay, practice what you preach, everyone. Okay. Uh, okay, it's a bigger light. So, if your parents saw a red light and they said, eh, I'm going to go, what might happen? They might run into another car. And that would be scary to be on the road if nobody followed the rules, right? Yeah, you would crash, so nobody would, right, right, that would be so scary and so fearful, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be in that kind of world, but you know, rules are there not because your parents or other people want to be mean to you, they're there because they want to protect you, to make you safe, to help you grow big and strong, right, and be awesome, and you drink milk every day, okay. So, do you know that God has some rules for you too? All right, so here are two big important rules from Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, God loves you so much that he wants you to love him back so much. And he wants you to love everybody else around you, even your brother or sister who picks on you, even other people who pick on you. Because remember, Jesus loved everybody, even those who picked on him, right? So I'm going to pray for you all. I want you to close your eyes when I pray for you. I want you to imagine God standing in front of you. 
and I want you to give him the biggest hug you possibly can, okay? And then when we're done praying, before you go to Hope for Kids, I want you to stop by your parents and give them the biggest hug you possibly can, okay? All right, so close your eyes. Imagine God in front of you. He's standing there in front of you. Go ahead and give him the big, big bear hug. Father God, we love you, we love you, we love you, and thank you for loving us no matter what. Help us keep loving you and trust you all the time when we are happy and safe, when we are sad and afraid. Also, help us to love everyone around us like Jesus did. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go hug your parents and then head off to Hope for Kids. Now they're just hugging random people. <laughs> oh, I assume they're relatives. Okay, good. Okay. I didn't get into the whole stranger danger thing. I was like, oh my gosh, where did I start? Okay. Will you all pray with me? Father God, we are thankful to be able to gather and worship you today. We ask that you hear our cries for help, protection, and comfort. We think of those in need of healing physically and emotionally. We think of those caring for those who are suffering and need strength. We think of our military and first responders who put their lives ahead of others as a reflection of your loving sacrifice. We think of our missions across the world who spread your word despite the dangers to themselves to reach as many of your people as they can. We think of our own Pastor Tom and Kathy as they travel to be with their daughter and ask that you bless their visit and make them stronger as a family. We bring before you those things that haunt us privately and ask for your help in overcoming them. And now as we turn towards focusing your word, open our hearts and minds to gain understanding and wisdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Pastor Tom asked all of us, the elders, um, when we were preparing for this sermon series, what is your favorite psalm? And the first thing out of my mouth was Psalm 119. I remember the theme behind Psalm 119. I did not remember that it is the longest psalm. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Um, but I was committed at that point. I said it out loud. And so that became what I am going to talk to you all about today. Um, but in preparing for Psalm 119, rather than probably skimming it the first time around, which is probably what I did, um, really preparing for this sermon helped give me some new insights into Psalm 119. So I've learned doing this that this is David's love letter to God. And it goes through a wide range of emotions. It, it, it pretty much goes from happiness to sadness. It goes from confusion to clarity. It goes from hope to despair. It's all there. And it's all really rich in text. Um, it's also an acrostic poem. And so for those who don't know, um, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And every eight verses in Psalm 119 makes up a stanza. And this stanza starts with a unique letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So if I were to do that with today's ABCs, it would sound something like this. A, although things are not perfect. B, because of trials and pain. 
C, continue in, trans in thanksgiving. D, do not let faith wane. So imagine that through the entire 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. As you would imagine, it's written with a lot of flowery poetry, and as a result of that, there is a lot of repetition, and so you probably are tempted as you're going through it to skim through it. Um, but I would argue it's worth trying to read through in its entirety at some point down the road. So why did I say Psalm 119 right off the bat without even thinking about it? It's about rules, order, and structure. And I am prior army, so rules, order, structure, that's my wheelhouse. And I would argue that deep down for all of us, it is in all of our wheelhouses that we all crave rules, order, and structure. Now, as a counterpoint to that, J.R. Tolkien did say, not all those who wander are lost. So that made me go to the dictionary, look up the word wander, figure out what exactly that meant. To move about from place to place without reason or plan. There are several of us in life that go through life without a sense of purpose or without a sense of direction. So yes, many of us wander. So then I looked up the synonym for lost. The first one that comes up is wandering. <laughs> uh, but also adrift, gone astray, unredeemed. And so I would then argue, based on that, we are lost without purpose and without direction. So sorry, Tolkien. You heard before we were talking to the kids, I was talking to the kids, and um, you know, we're, we talked about rules. Do kids really like rules? Not really. I mean, they would love to be able to do what they wanted. Do they need them? Absolutely. Um, there are several child psychology studies out there, and I'm going to read to you this from a child psychology um, study. Kids inherently crave rules to help understand what to expect. When they can predict things, they feel secure and safe, and they have the freedom to explore, grow, and develop. They learn to navigate right from wrong and learn about personal safety. We are all God's children. And so if we are children, what does that say about our need for rules, order, and structure? So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. When I was younger, um, my idea of obedience to God's word was I needed to obey so I didn't burn in hell. God was waiting with these judgment scales. He's going to measure my good deeds, going to measure my bad deeds, and I better come out on the right side of that equation. The problem was that I lived a life of fear, anxiousness, and uncertainty because I didn't know where I stood. Was I doing enough? Was I not doing enough? I was completely missing the point. It wasn't until I came to Hope many years ago, started listening every week to God's word, started listening to Pastor Tom explain to me what was in God's word, that I really learned that Obedience to the law is really to help us <laughs> in the big scheme of things. It's not helping God, it's helping ourselves. And it's to honor what God wants from us. God's love for us is so deep, he wants to keep us safe so that we can grow and strengthen and feel secure and so that we can return that love to him and to others. 
So if you're a parent to kids or a parent to fur babies, um, you know that you make rules not because you want to inspire fear in your, in your kids or loved ones. You do it because you want to keep them safe and protected. Yes, Jason, you do that not to inspire fear. No, no, you, you got to agree. Nod, nod your head and agree. Yes, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I chipped away at the poetry within Psalm 119. It's long. We can't really go through all of it today. Um, I chipped away at it. I found an interesting point within each stanza. Combined them into this uh, insert for you today. And hopefully by the end of this, it will inspire you to go through Psalm 119 on your own at some point down the road. So if you would, open up your um, bulletins, and inside there's your excerpt, Psalm 119. You can also see it up here on the screen. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Your righteousness is righteousness forever, and your law is true. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Let my plea come before you. My lips will pour forth praise. My tongue will sing of your word. Let my soul live and praise you. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So, Psalm 119 to me is about finding peace. It's about finding comfort. And it comes down to find peace in God's word. And in order to do that, in order to find peace, we must enjoy God's word. 
find blessing in obeying God's word, rejoice in following the word of God. This is not a book of chores. It's not your checklist. It's a roadmap given to you to keep you from getting lost. It's God's love letter to us, and it's given by a loving God, not one who's angry, mean, or wants to inspire fear in you. But in order to enjoy God's word, you have to first focus on God's word. You need to ask God for help in obeying his word. If you ask him for strength, he will either give you strength or he will provide someone to help you be strong. I think of that joke. Um, there was a big flood. A man was in his house and, and the floodwaters were rising. He gets to the second floor and he's praying, God, save me. God, save me. And a boat comes along and says, hey, hop on. We'll, we'll, we'll take you. We'll rescue you. He's like, no, no, no. Go away, go away. I pray to God. God's going to save me. Flood waters keep rising. He gets onto the roof of the house. It's going higher and higher. And a helicopter comes and, and says, hey, you know, hop on. You know, we'll get you, we'll get you to um, we'll get you the high ground. He goes, no, no, no. Go away, go away. I've asked God to save me. Waters rise. The guy dies. He goes to heaven. He's angry. He goes to God and says, God, I asked for you to save me. Why didn't you save me? God looks at him and says, I sent you a boat, I sent you a helicopter. What more do you want? So don't expect God to pick you up out of your problems and pluck you to safety. He uses others for that reason. So don't be prideful. If someone's coming to ask for help with their hand extended, take their hand. People are... God uses people to help those in need. And so we can find strength in God's word. I think of um, the Bible hymn or the, the gospel hymn from Thomas Dorsey, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. But I think of the Ronnie Millsap version of that song. Um, he is a blind country singer, for those who don't know. And so these words... Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. For a blind man to trust somebody to guide them is a huge deal. And here, a blind man trusts God to lead him forward. We are all blind. We don't know what the future has for us. We don't know what trials and tribulations are ahead. We are stuck in the moment. And so... Trust in God, his hands extended, let him lead you. To focus on God, we also need to seek to understand God. Don't waste time on useless things. If you go into a bookstore, one of the biggest sections in a bookstore is self-help. We will pay tons of money with people with initials after their name, MD, PhD, whatever, you know, whatever, alphabet soup's there, just so they can tell us what to do. The answers that you want are in here. 
the Bible has all the answers. But it's also sometimes difficult to understand. And so I'm going to say, don't be Bible shamed. So what do I mean by that? We use the ESV for a lot of things here at Hope, but if you look under your chairs, you have an NIV. Um, but I will tell you that the first Bible that I read cover to cover was a children's Bible. I know you're going like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But I was in my mid-30s. So <laughs> um, but that's what I needed at that point in my life. I needed a simple understanding of God's word. And even to this day, I use the ERV, the easy-to-read version, which is written at a grade school level. Because God's word is God's word. The big themes, the big stories, what God wants from you is in the Bible. It doesn't matter what version you're reading. The fact that you're even opening the Bible is huge. So don't be Bible-shamed. Open a Bible that means something to you that you can actually get something out of. And then you come to service, so then you can get the more deeper philosophical meanings behind things from Pastor Tom. Um, but open this book. It's got the answers you need. And once you understand the Bible, we're told to find your voice and trusting God's word. Take what you've learned and share that good news with others. Don't keep the knowledge to yourself. So you focus on God's word, but then you need to follow God's word. But be prepared for pushback. You're going to get people give you crazy looks, saying, why is it you love your enemy? Why is it that you pray for those who persecute you? Why is it you don't retaliate against those who humiliate you? That's the American way, right? We take nothing from nobody. There you go. I say it without saying a curse word. <laughs> Sorry, I'm army. I got to remember my audience. So <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what other people think. We're not here to impress them. There's only one person that we need to impress, and that's God. And so we give it all to God. Maximum effort. Hold nothing back. Give everything you've got to God. But in doing so, we do have to recognize the magnitude of our own sin. Um, there was a part in there that says, we start afflicted, you know, it was good, I, start afflict I started afflicted. And so we all start afflicted with sin. And guess what? We continue to be afflicted by sin. It doesn't go away just because you say you want to follow the law in God's word. But recognition is the first step to change. So recognizing that you are sinful in nature and how do I go about changing that one step at a time. We're also asked to be the example that God wants you to be. Pastor John MacArthur had said, you are the only Bible some unbelievers will ever read. And so actions speak louder than words. And the way you go about your life may influence others to just check out maybe what this Jesus thing's all about. But expect to be tested. Following God's word is a hard path. And you're going to be tempted to hit the easy button 
think for yourself and go, eh, just this one little time, I deserve it, because that's what we say in America, right? I deserve it. So, mm, all right, here we go, the easy button. Take the higher path. C.S. Lewis says, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. So, I think as parents, you would want your kids to do the right thing even when you're not watching. God wants you to do the right thing, but he's always watching. (laughs) But he still wants you to do the right thing. So, we also are called to rely on God's word. Find life in his word because your salvation in Christ, your salvation lies in Christ's perfect obedience and fulfillment of God's laws. He came and lived out all the laws perfectly. And we reflect his sacrifices through faithfulness to God's law ourselves. In the Bible, they actually did mention that. It's like, well, Jesus saved us. Why do we need to follow the laws anymore, right? We've been saved. All we got to do is believe in Jesus. Done. Romans 3, 31. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. You know what the standards are. Live the standards. That's all they're asking. Live the standards. Hold to that standard. Even though we may not be able to do that fully and completely, we still are called to hold that standard. And you have to find wisdom within God's word. If you know the rules, you'll know the game. If you don't believe me, try learning the rules to baseball and taking it to a football field. Very awkward. (laughs) Not saying I did that. Um, Very fearful, very anxious. Um, But... You have to know the rules. Me worrying about God weighing my good deeds and bad deeds and wondering if that was going to land me in hell or not. Wrong rules to the wrong game. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right. And so then also we need to find guidance or find another way of putting that is find your way in God's word. Martin Luther says, I know not the way God leads me, but well do I know my guide. The word lights our way, lights our path to salvation. The path is there. We simply have to follow. All the hard work is done for us. We just need to follow the path. Because within it, you're going to find comfort, you're going to find protection, you're going to find clarity in God's word. Because true wisdom, safety, and security, and comfort can only truly come from God. And finally, we're asked to treasure God's word. Seek the truth in God's word. It is eternally righteous. It is moral. It is ethical. It is unerring. You will never be called unethical, immoral, corrupt by following what God wants from you. And so we need to keep God's word on our heart all the time. Not just in the morning when we wake up, not just at night when we go to bed, not just on Sundays when we're at church and, oh, that's right, it's, it's God's day, but at all hours. 
Corey Ten Boom said, is God your steering wheel or your spare tire? Put another way, is he your first resort or is he your last resort? I'm guilty of making him my spare tire. I will have a challenge. I will put my head down. I will plow forward and try to solve that problem. And only when I find myself in dire straits or difficulty, then do I turn to God and ask him for help. But how would that be different if we first asked God for help, then put our head down, and then plowed forward? So put him in your, in your thoughts and seek redemption through God's word. We seek redemption through Christ's sacrifice. As I said, he lived God's law perfectly. And he did that not to abolish it for all of us, but he did it so that his sacrifice could save us who could not. He made us right with God, not our obedience to the word. And so we are called to make God's word your most valuable possession. Think of how we value stuff in our society. We'll put jewelry in a safe. We will put money in a bank. We will put God's word on the coffee table with my beer on it so I don't get rings on the coffee table. How messed up is that? This <laughs> is our way to eternal life, salvation, the answers to your life's problems are within, yet we treat it as a doorstop. We treat it as a coaster. And I'm not saying you lock it away, and I'm not saying that you keep it to yourself. But we do need to have reverence for what this book is and what it represents. And finally, we're asked to put all your hope in God. Worship him in repentance. Recognize that you can't pay off your sin through just obedience. His laws weren't made to make you right with God. That's what Jesus' sacrifice was all about. His laws help is made to help you and help those around you in this world. And so this is where we can find peace. At the cross, where our sin intersect with God's grace. And we get there through God's word. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we cannot fathom the depth of love you have for us. In this disorderly world of chaos, we find ourselves fearful and anxious. We thank you for lighting the path ahead of us to make us feel safe. Help us to remember what unconditional love looks like for others. What unconditional love for others looks like. Fill us with love for those close to us but also those who differ from us. Thank you for your unfailing love. Amen.